Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Deck, and most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This is, in some ways, a sequel episode. It's a follow-up to our previous episode, MK Ultra 101, in which we described exactly what MK Ultra is. Equally as important, we describe what it is not and how the public learned about it. Today, however, we are looking beyond that twisted origin story. We're going off the charted, proven paths. We're going across the edges of the map. We're exploring the conspiracies and allegations related to MK Ultra in the modern day. Listeners, this episode contains content that may be disturbing to some of us in the audience, and that means you can turn back now or walk with us just a bit further away from the lights. Oh, I like that. That's a twist on it, and I really like that. It's true. As you know, Matt, this is very much true in this episode. Well, let's – I mean, let's let's start off uh, with something easy, something simple. Uh, what What is MKUltra? For anyone who said, I see MKUltra 101 in yes. my podcast feed, but forget that. I want 201. 
Yes. Well, or 102. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I, I think 201 is the right way to go. I think that's right. I think that's the way Georgia State uh, would would do it. So, and that's my that's my favorite. Alma mater. Yeah. So, the first thing you have to do is not think about MK Ultra as one thing. It is not one thing. It is a series of things, of projects, of experimentations, uh, of different experiments, of uh, different groups of people who were who were not necessarily working together. A lot of times the aims were very similar, but, you know, you have different uh, study groups essentially. And uh, it was all about really at the heart of it, trying to find ways to influence human beings, influence their perception, their behavior, or even get them to do some or take some action that you want them to take. And um, from all the official accounts of the program – really didn't work out that great. They found some interesting things that could occur with drugs, with um, especially how drugs interact with each other sometimes. If you get a really psychedelic trip and then uh, influence somebody's mind down the road or if you can keep someone within a psychedelic trip for long enough, interesting things there. But, uh, but here's, here's the, the, the deal. Most everything didn't work the way they wanted it to. Right. It turns out that the human brain was too complex for the sort of technology and tactics that Uncle Sam was applying in this case. Uh, They were famously inspired to pursue this line of research due to fears that the Soviet Union and the government of China were pursuing things and already had a jump in this sort of behavioral modification, uh, primarily when they saw a cardinal confess to a cavalcade of crimes that he clearly did not do back in the 50s, I believe. Um, And what, what they thought was happening was not the case in that scenario. What they thought was happening was uh, that this guy had been brainwashed completely and totally and believed these demonstrably false things. But it turns out that the only thing that really happened was communist forces and security services just beat the ever-loving snot out of this guy repeatedly and then, you know, psychologically abused him. And mm. he he later in life said that. He said there was no uh, spooky, uh, spooky psychotronic stuff going on. But we do know that, as you said, Matt, some of these programs had limited success. They learned new things that would be useful later. From all official accounts, there are no Manchurian candidates, despite what Sirhan Sirhan has claimed. And he is alive and he is in jail. He maintains that he was brainwashed. Yeah, he keeps trying or he kept trying. I think it's over, right? I, think, I don't know if he can uh... – Go for parole. Go for parole again. It might be he might be done. Maybe that's not true. That's what I feel like I remember hearing. Let's put it in there anyway, and somebody correct me. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. <laughs> so now it seems like if we if you, that's the only information you have about MK Ultra, now you're in a state where it seems as if this is an open and shut horrific historical event. But we're going to shamal on it just a little bit because the problem with MKUltra is this. The CIA purged everything they could internally find related to MKUltra back in 1973 under Director Helms. When you say purged, what are you talking about here? We're talking about physically burning yeah. paperwork. Yeah. Uh, the, this, was, this only compounded the original problem, which was that they were not keeping – much paperwork to begin with. They didn't want the trail. 
They wanted the minimum amount of stuff they needed to have in order to keep their ducks in a row. So they purged everything in 73. The public only found hard proof of the operation when a Freedom of Information Act request turned up 2,000 documents that had been misfiled. 2,000 documents that were supposed to have also been absolutely, utterly destroyed. So this means that in 2019 and probably in 2020 and probably in 3019, if people still care about it, we will not know the full extent of what the CIA was up to. We don't know all the experiments they conducted. We have some hints, but it's possible that we never will learn. As we noted previously, we have officially entered the realm of deathbed confessions – What do we mean by this? We mean that the only way the public will learn more about this program will be if someone who was working with it firsthand has a change of heart and confesses or or provides new information because they're, you know, that's how a deathbed confession works. You're about to go out. You want to meet the afterlife, if such exists, with a clean conscience. And that is if that person even really truly understands what they were doing. Or experimenting on if they were not just a tiny piece of a, a larger puzzle that was the experiment, right? Which is highly possible. That kind of plausible deniability is built into a lot of these ex- experiments. Mm-hmm. Another thing about a deathbed confession too is like it's what better moment is there to be able to drop a truth bomb where you don't have to be around to deal with the aftermath or the fallout, the consequences directed at you, you know? Unless you have kids. Well, that's true. And grandkids. That's fair. True. Uh, it's also – uh, it, it's also un- <laughs> strangely common for people to make fake deathbed confessions. Sometimes that can be due to a deteriorating mental state and someone really believes that they're Jack the Ripper and you're like, oh, man, Uncle Bill, you were born in 1973. The math doesn't check out. And they're like, no, it was me. It's my dying wish that you tell the world the truth. And you just have to hold their hand. That's it. That went dark. So so at this point, as of 2019, as we record this, there has not been any large-scale revelation related to MKUltra since those investigations back in the 1970s when the senators famously held up a heart attack gun in the halls of Congress. And you can see this clip online, folks. It's it's somewhat distressing. The the gun itself, I don't know if we talked about this in a pre- – did we talk about this in a previous episode? We did, I believe. Uh, we've brought – I think we brought this up when we went over the control group we, mm. with Brett Wood and we mm. talked about some of this stuff. Yeah. And then before that too, it, with the DARPA. Yes, a, yeah, and assassination <laughs> attempts. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty neat idea. It's a gun that fires uh, frozen darts of poison. And they're so small that they can go through your clothing without leaving a mark. And if it works, if they successfully get the shot off, the corpse will look as if it died from a heart attack. Clever stuff. Uh, can't, Small piercing. Yeah, can't buy it in Walmart. Yeah, and don't. <laughs> don't. Even if it was available, do not buy that. <laughs> don't. For anyone who uh, is listening and not in the United States, uh, one thing that would probably baffle you, or maybe not, is that Walmart sells guns, which is, you know, that's one thing we all accept as normal here. But if you're from Sweden or something and you walk into a supermarket, wouldn't you be surprised? 
Yeah, probably. You know, Dick's Sporting Goods is actually phasing out the sale of guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think largely because I mean, I'm sure there was some you know political reasons for doing it, but I think from what I heard, it was becoming less and less profitable. That makes sense. Yeah, and, and for a big box store like that, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Usually, you would go to a specialty store to buy guns or a gun show. Right, yeah. and they're also most of them long rifles of some sort. That's right, like mm-hmm. a shotgun or a hunting rifle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not not quite as effective uh, unless you're sniping. And they, no one sells the heart attack gun that we know of. So all this secrecy has led to an interesting situation. The strange and strangely incomplete story of MK Ultra has become enshrined in conspiracy folklore. It has been associated with multitudes of other theories. And typically the gist of those theories will go, the U.S. public learned about MK Ultra. That is the tip of the proverbial iceberg. There's much, much more beneath the surface. And if you buy my book, you will learn it. Which sounds a little bit cynical, but that is honestly the way it goes. And it's it's all based on a very valid and troubling question. What else went on from the 1950s through the 1970s? Furthermore, what, if anything, happened afterward? And we're going to delve into that right after a quick word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was we'll it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jean, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean! Huh? Oh! Oh! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. 
and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. More or less, immediately after the reveal of MKUltra, people in the United States and abroad began raising allegations of continuing related programs. And this quickly, quickly, quickly got very out there. In terms of the claims, the most infamous alleged project related to MKUltra is something called Project Monarch. Yes, and this is this is one of the one of the more out there uh, things I would say that we're going to discuss today. There are some weird things we're going to discuss today, but this is one of the feels like it's out there because oh, here's a little spoiler alert: it involves demons, it involves rituals, mm. it, the Kabbalah, it, and mysticism. Some of our favorite and, things: uh, multiple personalities and or demonic possession. So let's get into it. Yeah, all of that, though, within what's described as a systematic framework. So this is like some serious like X-Files type stuff. And uh, it involved some things, some rituals that could be described as satanic in nature, um, usually involving some form of uh, cannibalism and performed with the um, intent of attaching a demon or, you know, a pantheon, like a group of demons, um, and in order to kind of create alternate versions of individuals as in the same way that you might, uh, through therapy, create an alternate version of a self that didn't experience the trauma that caused you to have, you know, psychological problems. Right. This This idea of intentionally creating alters or alternate personalities – isn't unique to Project Monarch. You've seen it in works of fiction. It's in Hereditary, yes. arguably. It it feels a lot like a fictionalized version of a secret military thing or mm-hmm. a secret um, project like this. And and a lot of a lot of cults also practice this kind of disassociation. It's just – yeah, it's just in a different form, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to use – you don't need to get demons involved. You don't need to get the Kabbalah involved. You just start disassociating somebody through manipulation. Uh, Crowley also practiced some stuff mm-hmm. like this and the Illuminatus trilogy, which is a fantastic work, uh, also depicts this. No, your your description might sound weird to some of us listening, but that is that is the case. 
The idea is that um, this this occult stuff was either a theatrical trapping or they were practicing magic to summon some sort of extra dimensional entity and make people, typically children, minors, into vessels for these creatures. That's a lot to take in. Yeah. You know, to 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 phrase it simply, we'll we'll get back to some of this stuff, but to phrase it simply, the people who believe in Project Monarch see it as a subset of the earlier program, Project Artichoke, and its successor, MKUltra. One of the most well-known uh, authors on the subject of Project Monarch is a person named Kathy O'Brien. You can find multiple people who claim that they were somehow involved in this monarch program, but Kathy O'Brien is one of the most prominent. She wrote a book called The Transformation of America. Since this is an audio show, I just want to make sure you get the pun there, trance as in hypnotic trance, and then formation as in an organization or group. So in Transformation of America, she claims she was a victim of monarch. Uh, she relates it in the following way. She says she was sexually abused as a child on multiple occasions by various people, starting with her father and then expanding to a network of individuals who were connected with the underground world of underage pornography. Yikes. Yeah, and then according to the story, she that's when she became – uh, a victim of Project Monarch. She describes Monarch as a project that used trauma-based mind control, that's in quotes there, uh, to create separate, distinct personalities within a single individual. This kind of makes you think of almost the Manchurian candidate effect where you've got like a buried personality that can be summoned at will, or not your will, but the will of your controller, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so according to O'Brien, this is accomplished with the help of some of these occult trappings and, of course, a lot of theater of the mind. Uh, she claims, for example, that George W. Bush used holograms for intimidation. Uh, and this is a quote from her. He said, she said, Bush apparently activated a hologram of the lizard-like alien, which provided the illusion of Bush transforming uh, like a chameleon before my eyes. In retrospect, I understand that Bush had been painstakingly careful in positioning our seats in order that the hologram's effectiveness be maximized. Hmm. So on the surface, it sounds like somebody um, who's making up a story when you're listening to it with a skeptical mind. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's difficult to not do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it sounds so out there, it sounds so fan fantastical. Um, Sit right there and watch me lizard real quick. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait, I need to position your seat for one second. <laughs> but, 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 you know, um, I, I think that's what, with these kinds of things, it's difficult, uh, mm -hmm. even listening to it. To, to put your mind in a place where you can think, well, is that in any way possible or is there – like what are the – what are the possible explanations for this? Mm -hmm. uh, to have that belief that George W. Bush somehow is using hologram technology to trick you or show you something mm -hmm. uh, of an extraterrestrial. Yeah. And maybe Socratic method is the – one of the best ways to approach this. You know, start with a question. Let's say – if that were true, what 
set of circumstances would compel one of the most powerful people in the world to do this. It sounds Wait, like a tall Dick, order. Dick Cheney didn't do anything. Oh, I you know, I, I imagine that he was involved. In, he seems like a guy who would be excited by holograms. Who who wouldn't? They're neat. Yeah, I think you would. <laughs> Did you guys hear that Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly are doing a hologram tour? This is now a thing. Mm. Like it's really becoming a thing. Started with Tupac, yeah. It did start with Tupac, but now it's like whole package hologram. I only bring it up because – it used to be something that was used by the military, uh, and now it's, you know, just for, for funsies. Mm-hmm. Churches are using that across the globe right now. Mm-hmm. The mega churches that have a single person, like Andy Stanley or somebody who's giving a, a talk. Or Creflo Dollar. Yeah, and he, he's being – he and they are being, like, turned into holograms, essentially, See, and projected I thought, in other churches. I, w- I would have thought they would have made one of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that'd be a cool effect. It's touchy. That's a touchy one. It's Ooh. tough. I mean, it, imagine making a hologram of any religious figure, a hologram of Buddha, a hologram of Muhammad. Well, that would be problematic, right? right? No, right. that would be Project Bluebeam. Yep, which is a <laughs> which is a different show. Uh, the important part here, before we get too sidetracked with holograms, the important part here is the timing of this, because the allegation then is not just that. Prominent world leaders are resorting to this technology to um, to traumatize children. It's that this technology existed in their circle before it existed anywhere else. But the big question is why would why? someone do that? And it doesn't stay in the U.S. O'Brien paints a global portrait of abuse. She claims that uh, forces in Mexico, the U.S., Europe, Saudi Arabia, more are all actively involved in Monarch and its successors, its successor programs for the express purpose of creating sex slaves and maintaining child abuse rings. Several years ago, that would have sounded impossible. Several years ago, it would have. O'Brien claims to have phenomenal photographic recall of these events despite previously suppressing them or having them suppressed by shadowy government agents. Her recollections in her book come overwhelmingly, almost entirely, from what's called hypnotic regression. Hypnotic regression is a – is a process in which a hypnotist sits with a person and takes them into a trance state and guides them through reliving past experiences. The big problem with hypnotic regression is the G word that you just said. They're being guided. Guided. There we go. Yep. Right? Because you – the ideas can be slightly influenced with us tiny – keyword or a tiny word that w- is thrown in during the guidance process mm-hmm. that then leads the, you know, how do you know if the person, your subject, if it's their imagination that's taking you down that path or if they're actually recalling an event that's mm-hmm. taking them down that path of recollection? Mm-hmm. Is it recollection or f- fiction? And you, there's no real way to tell. Right, right. There is- the the problem is that if you're putting an individual in a state of enhanced uh, suggestibility, then they're very open to guiding. And this is not to say that the hypnotists in question are purposefully doing this. No, it's just very easy to accidentally take someone in a weird, in a weird direction. And 
you know, we know that memory betrays us, and most of our memories are increasingly works of fiction as we age. But that's let's leave let's leave O'Brien and Monarch there right now for and, a second. Yes, and let's just go ahead and put forth right here that you may see online accusations of a lot of pop stars and generally younger female pop stars. There are a lot of accusations that they have been individually uh, involved in Monarch in some way. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you'll see allegations of a music video, like a Katy Perry music video, or um, a Britney Spears was a big one back in the day of look at the symbology, look at the symbols happening in these videos. This, this is Project Monarch, like them showing us without telling us in a way. Like mm -hmm. Almost flaunting it. You'll see that a lot. Um, you'll see when when a young pop star has a breakdown, like a public breakdown, that Project Monarch gets brought up a lot. Especially especially what I'm recalling is when Britney Spears like shaved her head In years and years ago. Yes, exactly. Hey, leave Britney that's alone. A, well, <laughs> that was a part of it. But, but genuinely, that's when you will see a lot of that stuff cropping up mm -hmm. um, as part of the trauma – that was supposedly uh, in, given to her or that she experienced through Project Monarch. Just right. putting that out there. And other people will say that the world of um, the world of entertainment, music especially, is already crooked and horrific and, and just sad and pathetic enough without needing to add in that other the other problems. Uh, yeah. But it's true, and that's a very good point. You can find numerous lists of people like Amanda Bynes, Britney Spears. Uh, who else? Tell us, tell us your favorites, right? Oh, Katy Perry, as you said. Yeah. Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Is I don't one. know who that is. She played Lois Lane in the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Yeah. And she was found like wa wandering naked, I believe, in uh, other people's yards in Beverly Hills. Ooh. Yeah. She had like, a, like an episode. Jeez. She was not well. And she was not gang stalked, but other people have been. This is uh, this is something related to MK Ultra that you will hear a lot. Some of us listening now have asked us in the past to cover gang stalking, and we can do an entire episode on it. So we'll we'll just give you the broad strokes here. Gang stalking is the idea that a person for one reason or another, will be surreptitiously monitored and followed in person by a group of unidentified people. So imagine you, wherever you're at now, imagine that you get up and you walk outside and there's someone in the distance in the corner. They have a, a green hat on and you see them, but you don't know them, you, you know, you might not be in a town where people wave at strangers, so you just keep walking. You go to a store, and while you're in the store, let's say you're feeling healthy. So you buy some juice and some almonds, and then the person who rings you up is looking at you weird. You look behind you, and there's someone in a green hat at the end of aisle three pretending to shop, but just sort of standing there. And you know they're pretending to shop. And you know they're pretending to shop. And you leave, you're walking back, and as you're walking back, you see three other people, possibly in green hats, possibly not. Uh, and they're all just sort of standing around as if they're waiting for you. Uh, one person is on a phone talking. You can't hear what they're saying, but they are staring directly at you. That's gang stalking. 
It's essentially the Truman Show. Right. If you are Truman, it feels as though for the person experiencing it mm-hmm. or who believing they're experiencing it, it feels like you are Truman. And it's a more malicious uh, Truman Show, right? Yes. So is this harassment? Is it paranoia? Is it good old-fashioned spycraft? All three of those answers in at least a few cases are correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean – for for someone experiencing um, perhaps a short-term high paranoia situation or feeling, like I can imagine this – I think I've probably experienced like short-term gang stalking at the height of a time in my life when I'm feeling unsure or something mm-hmm. where I just feel as though everyone around me is out to get me just for a moment. You know what I mean? I think we've all maybe experienced something like that where everything just feels off. Um and there are a lot of people out there who have experienced that before and for perhaps more deep-seated problems. Mm-hmm. They've experienced that. But we do know that that kind of surveillance on somebody, like actual on-the-ground surveillance, occurs. And it it's, does. And it's not that uncommon. <laughs> it's not that uncommon. It's sloppy spycraft. Yes. Because – Typically, you would want your observer to be unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. But it also happens in other countries, especially authoritarian countries or dictatorships. It will probably, it'll probably phase out a little bit as digital surveillance becomes overwhelmingly mm-hmm. uh, efficient. Yeah. At this point, you could just get into somebody's cell phone and then it could be on a table mm-hmm. and you got everything you need. Right. <laughs> Right. And by the way, we got a great email from our NSA intern. We did. Who is moving on. Congratulations. Uh, and we'll, we'll go – let's go to gang stalking in, in its own episode. Let's make that an episode in the future. Okay. And in the meantime, we'd like to hear your stories about gang stalking. We'd, we'd like to uh, know what you would like to share with your fellow listeners. For now, it seems that we have Monarch as a – as a thing that's universally dismissed by a lot of the mainstream, we have gang stalking, which is problematic. Uh, but we do know that MK Ultra is moving forward, at least in the legal system, and not here in the U.S. That's and- right. We have to go to Canada for uh, for a look into a class action lawsuit. We're going to do that right after another word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. 
We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Canada. So we had spoken in MKUltra 101 about the two unsuccessful lawsuits here in the States related to MKUltra. In Canada, there is a class action suit in in the works now, survivors and families of people who were affected by MKUltra and the CIA mind control program at a place called McGill University's Allen Memorial Institute in Montreal are going to sue Quebec and the federal governments, both the U.S. and Canada, because of what they say had been done to them five decades ago. Whoa. You can follow this group on Facebook, Survivors Allied Against Government Abuse. Uh, the acronym would be SAGA. With two A's at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, and this includes victims and family members of victims of Canadians who participated in brainwashing experiments under the supervision of a man named Dr. Ewan Cameron. He was director of the psychiatric hospital from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. He did something that would be familiar to fans of the control group. He conducted these experiments that were called depatterning or psychic driving. What they essentially did is through a number of uh, a number of techniques, they would try to erase a patient's memories, which is not an impossible thing to do, and then go a step further and attempt to reprogram them with new thoughts. 
one of the examples of this would include forcing someone to listen to a repetitive audio loop over and over and over again for hours and hours on end while also drugging them to keep them in a comatose or semi-comatose unconscious state. So this could last for as long as three days. Just you're you're put under, you're you're administered like the food and yeah. water you need to survive, and the entire time there's some tape saying, you know, um, probably in the doctor's voice or maybe in your own voice. Yeah, when when it's like, I can only trust Doctor Frederick. Doctor Frederick wants me well. Certainly most effective in your voice, I think, mm -hmm. as the patient or as the uh, subject because then it becomes your own inner dialogue. Right. Ooh. And you're and you're in a state of sensory deprivation when you're put under. So, Yikes. Yeah. So this is, this is really weird, creepy stuff. And if you want a, an example of a fictionalized version of it, again, check out Control Group. It's available right now, all episodes. And season two is going to be happening at some point, that right? That's true. Yeah. It's a, it's a creepy story. It's a creepy story. The Canadian government gave Dr. Cameron roughly half a million dollars between 1950 and 1965. In 2018, if we wanted to adjust for inflation, that's four million bucks U.S. They gave him four million bucks and then the CIA also gave him money uh, through one of those front organizations that you mentioned in our previous episode, Matt, uh, the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology. That's great. So are we for it or again it? <laughs> are, we, are we for <laughs> are we for MK Ultra in general yes. or the various projects? The various projects. Let, let's hear some arguments <clears throat> for and against. Okay. Um well, let's, right. let's start with Monarch. That sounds good. Yes, yes. So the first thing we should be very, very clear about is when you say for, for or against, we're saying for or against them actually existing, the veracity of these claims. We're not, we're not arguing that we support Project <laughs> well, Monarch. Well, I mean, that's your position. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, that's kidding. true. This is no, a democracy. No, absolutely. It is a democracy. But no, it's, it, exactly. I mean, this is – it's a cliche, but this is utterly shrouded in mystery. There's a lot of conjecture that goes into picking this stuff apart. So what are the arguments for its existence versus against its existence? Okay. Well, okay. Let's – again, we'll start with Project Monarch, right? Okay. We're talking about how we got these FOIA uh, documents for MKUltra in general, right, overall. Mm -hmm. uh, there is nothing in any of those documents that talk about – uh, ways to implant demons and or use um, ancient mysticism or anything to that effect to have a thing called Project Monarch. It doesn't exist, right? The, the primary evidence that you're going to find for Project Monarch is somebody online somewhere generally or uh, speaking in a book or something saying, I was a part of Project Monarch as a victim slash subject. I like this. So intellectual exercise – Counterpoint, the majority of MKUltra documents were destroyed. It's true. It's true. So when we say Good that, counterpoint. Yeah. It's a great counterpoint. Most of them were destroyed. Uh, and you would probably want to destroy something if you had anything written down about using demons to manipulate people and create sex slaves. Right. Uh, yeah. 
Agreed. Did you uh, just toss off sex slaves just like nothing just now? I, well, I did because that's essentially what – that is essentially what that's uh, monarch what is supposed to be about. Right. Uh, and whether it's uh, – a lot of times it's alleged that it's a sex slave, uh, like an iconic sex slave like a Britney Spears or someone that then projects out to millions of people across the planet what it, what, what it should be to like be a woman. essentially. That, I see. Right? Yes, that or exactly. it's a single human being like who is being, you know – abused and like in in the shadows by someone powerful. So we know that unfortunately and tragically we know that the entertainment industry from film to music and so on is rife with widespread covered up sexual abuse. We do know that. We know that. We know a lot of the people who've done that are never going to see a day in court. They're never going to go to jail. But some of them actually are now. But some, yeah, a few, sure. But I, I guess that's better than nothing. Uh, we also know that intelligence agencies across the world use uh, honeypot traps, right? That's where you get you get compromat, as the Russians would call it, on someone by filming them in a sexually compromising situation, usually with a paid professional sex worker, but occasionally with someone who has been coerced into playing that role. Like the pee-pee tape. Right. Like the, that, that may or may not exist. Right, from the Steele dossier, right? That's right, yeah. For the current president. Uh, that's, that's one of the hot allegations. There is one funny story because we're, we're exploring some dark and disturbing things. I can at least give us one um, less terrible story. Okay. Uh, you can read this in... The war is boring. The war is boring section on medium.com by Darian Kavanaugh. The CIA and the KGB both tried to blackmail Indonesia's first president, a man who went by the name Sukarno. Because Indonesia played an important role in the Cold War between the US and the USSR, which is all, it all comes back to that usually in this time in, in history. Uh, they decided to do a honeypot scheme. Uh, the KGB operatives dressed as flight attendants and had group sexual relations with the dictator. And then the CIA uh, produced a essentially a pornographic film and they thought that they would be able to use this on the dictator. You know what I mean? Get in line with our ideas or we will expose you, you dirty, dirty dog. And the problem is <laughs> – the problem is – he into it? He was very happy with it. He Whoa. asked for copies. Aww. He liked to show it to people. It was Whoa. like, oh, look it's, at this. It's a good icebreaker. Like, know, look for... where the – it's like, look, 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 look. These are flight attendants. Check out, <laughs> check out my moves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I, you know – Check it, let, let me play that part again. Somebody wow, rewind this because this fantastic. is like I'm really proud of this one. Uh, so this I, know, I heard that's a thing. <laughs> a bunch of flight attendants get together and film uh, important people. So uh, so it did backfire, right? And uh, I think that's I think that's a hilarious story. It's a hilarious story about evil people, but the reason it's important is because it shows us that these sorts of operations do exist. However, again, to your point, Matt, there is no mention of Monarch in any MKUltra documents. There's no mention of Monarch in anything official. 
Religious and political scholars criticize Kathy O'Brien's claims because they say there is absolutely no supporting evidence. And at this point, there is absolutely no supporting evidence. Uh, David G. Robinson characterized them as symptomatic of something called moral panic and noted that no one has ever been prosecuted of such crimes nor has any corroborating material evidence ever been produced. It just stinks that you can't you can't just take that for what it is because you have to go back to the point of if any of this was actually happening happening it would be suppressed so hard that maybe just we would never know about it. Right. And also um also even if someone who is a survivor of abuse doesn't have all of the facts or the dates at their command that doesn't mean that they're lying. Yeah, you're right. And I've I've brought with me today uh, uh, an old friend of ours, this book, Outbreak, the Encyclopedia of Extraordinary Social Behavior, which is about moral panics and how they spread. I highly recommend this book for anyone who is um, interested in seeing just how quickly moral panics can spread. It's always the idea of something either so morally reprehensible and against social mores that are universally acknowledged to be good things. So that would be stuff like cannibalism, child abuse, etc. All, all the terrible, terrible things. Or something that is alarming and possibly life-threatening. People are frightened because uh, a new report says that you will get eye cancer in – two weeks if you don't drink coffee. So the stores all sell out of coffee. Yeah. People are fighting over coffee. And then later, the same paper that published that publishes a retraction on page 10 and no one reads it and coffee prices go through the roof. Smart. Evil. Let's do it right now. <laughs> we can't. We guys, just said we do it on air. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's true though. I, I mean, it doesn't mean that people are stupid. It means that we're easily led to – we have this idea of what the right thing to do is and we want to be on the right side of history, right? So we will do what we can and sometimes we should research research this stuff before we react to it. And then there's another burning question. This is a big counterpoint, Noel, for for or against. If this is true, if any of this is true, then how are these Project Monarch survivors alive? How are they publishing books? How are they writing about this and not, you know, committing suicide by getting tied into a duffel bag or having shot themselves twice in the back of the head? Because it's not entirely true. I'm, I'm asking, like, it seems like if there were an organization this powerful, this story would never have gotten out, right? It certainly does seem like that, especially considering the purging that went down, you know, in Great the first point. place. Yeah. Great point. So, where is this name coming from? I mean, there there was no the name wasn't in any kind of any kind of documentation. Where nope. where did this begin to circulate? Do we even have an origin for that? The way this information got out into the public record, primarily or? from people who say that they survived the program. So anecdotes. And are they corroborated? Like, are they people who knew each other? Or I'm just I mean, I'm just wondering if there is any connection between these people or this is interesting. It's tricky because it goes back to the hypnotic regression question. There may well be people who say they knew each other now 
but their story changed as their sessions continued. Uh, there were also stories of people – so in the universe of this, people are not meeting one another under their real names. You're nine years old. You meet a 10-year-old who is called different names. These horrific things occur to you. You never see that 10-year-old again, but you learn that they have died. So it has baked in a difficulty uh, when it comes to tracking or corroborating things. Mm. And it's part of the satanic panic, honestly, the moral panic that swept through the U.S. and really peaked in the 1980s. If you were around in the 1980s, then you you know about this, right? D&D was, the, uh, was a herald of dark satanic times to come. Everybody with any sort of authority uh, that was not religious, any secular power, was part of the Illuminati. They were dressing in robes. They were circling around. They were killing goats, children, eating people, human flesh. Um, they were doing Bohemian Grove stuff but not with an effigy with people. Those are, those are the ideas. Uh, this made some big careers in journalism and in the publishing world. And at this point, still, despite all the public attention, there's been no evidence of a widespread event of this nature. And that's an important point because it's not like it's just um, – the five of us, you know, you listening, the three of us, and then Mission Control, it's not like it's just five people looking into this. This was a nation. These were news networks. They were pouring millions into this search, and they came up with bupkis. There have, however, been several cases of child abuse networks functioning in the halls of power uh, in Belgium, in the U.S., in the U.K., the, these abuse networks are real. They're just not necessarily satanic and they're not necessarily tied to intelligence agencies, at least the ones we found. Yeah. And the um, the satanic angle is almost like an e – this is, this is a, one way to think about it. If you place Satanism and the devil and that kind of evil on top of something like this that may even be provable with – in some way or another or – um, spoken about by enough people, if you pl if you place those labels on it, it be it becomes so crazy and out there that it almost becomes impossible that that these kinds of abuse networks could function at that level, right? Mm -hmm. it, it makes you believe that it's impossible when you bring the devil and evil into it like that, rather than it just being a group of powerful people that have uh, really messed up things that they like to do. Uh, does that make any sense? It yeah. does. Not to mention that the whole idea of like secret satanic organizations has been time and time again disproven. Like the idea of like the whole satanic panic thing. It's a panic because no one's really doing it <laughs> in the way that you might think. You know what I'm saying? Like even like the the, the child murders at Robin Hood Hill or whatever. Or, like the the idea that there are groups of quote-unquote Satan worshipers that are doing human sacrifices and stuff. I mean it was, it's always to me – What's been proven out is that it's much more of a form of protest and kind of like a middle finger to the man and like, you know, organized religion than it is some kind of shadowy cabal doing rituals in like a dungeon somewhere. Right. And, and the, the thing is that these two things are – these two practices are often conflated. There are criminals uh, like Jeffrey Epstein who repeatedly abuse children. 
and they can have cover-ups occur, like Jeffrey Epstein, who, again, repeatedly abused children and, as of now, totally got away with it. Uh, then there are groups who are pursuing um, a religious or ceremonial thing. You know what I mean? Like they get to – like Anton LaVey is not a deistic Satanist. It's not someone who acknowledges the existence of a Judeo-Christian um, Islamic god and then some adversary and sided with the bad guy. And they're very much against any kind of abuse. You know, they, they get a bad rap. But Absolutely. But we do know that there are there are times when this sort of child abuse draped in satanic ritual has occurred. True Detective Season 1, which is fantastic, uh, seems at least partially inspired by a genuine child abuse network that operated out of a church in Ponchatoula, Louisiana. For the record, the creator of the show, Nick Pizzolatto, initially said – I had no idea this was a thing. I don't know what you're talking about. But also – He said that about a couple other aspects that right. he sort of lifted for that first season too. Right, right, right. Exactly. Some of the philosophical writings that mm-hmm. uh, Rust Cole's character spouted. I don't remember who it was, but it was sort of a modern-day philosophy guy who he kind of lifted some of those lines from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And maybe he should have just come clean and been transparent about it. But we also know there's an elephant in the room. Several of us listening are are saying – how are you guys going to talk about this kind of stuff and not mention the Catholic Church? Members of the Catholic Church actively covered up numerous cases of child abuse for, at the very, very least, decades. And if current behavior or recent behavior was any indication, we're looking at um, a phenomenon that goes back centuries. And it's so widespread that it's at the very top of the organizational structure. Right. So the more cynical among us will often regard monarch claims as either a delusion, an indication of being mentally unwell, or a blatant cash grab. But there's no denying child abuse is real. There's no indication that the U.S. government actively poured money into a program designed to brainwash people through the abuse of minors. And this brings up the phenomenon that we're, we've explored before, but it's key to this. And we've been, we've been getting closer and closer to that in this episode. The problem of individual actors versus institutional actors. Uh, make up a name for a politician. Um, Kringle Rickenbach. Okay, so Kringle Rickenbach, a representative in uh, Idaho, mm-hmm. is found to be committing – uh, flagrant, repeated acts of abuse, of some kind of abuse. Okay. And Kringle Rickenbach, it turns out, has been getting really weird with it too. Yeah. He wears some kind of ritual mask. He's got a, a robe and a, a – An a, apron. A little dance he does before he eats people or okay. whatever. Uh, he's a really messed up guy. But even, even though he's proven to have committed these, he goes to jail. He's insane. Uh and this doesn't mean that the government or the constituency he represented co-signed this in any way. They were voting for him because of his uh, stance on taxes, and they did not know he was a cannibal. Mm-hmm. So he's an individual actor. However, let's take a real-world case. In the case of Jimmy Savile or several Catholic priests, there's an institution that actively aids and abets the criminals involved. The Catholic Church covered up for sexual abusers – and 
uh, high society in England, including law enforcement and including uh, the the government, right? Parliament, media corporation, media corporations, the BBC, they covered up this these crimes, and that means it's a matter of institutional actors. So the big question is: if people in the U.S. government were doing horrific, dirty things, were they doing it? as individuals or are they doing it as representatives of an institution? That's the big question and it's tough to answer. But we do have some good news at least for people seeking justice in Canada. Remember that lawsuit we mentioned at the top of this section? Well, let's let's get into that a little bit. So um, the court uh, the court still has to certify certain things about this, right? But but here's here's some quotations, some things we know about it thus far. So there's this doctor, Dr. Cameron, and uh, the lawsuit states that his tactics were nothing more than an electronic lobotomy. And it also claims that he damaged a lot of his other patients' brains and shattered their psyches and left them unable to function in a society and within their families. So this one Dr. Cameron really did some seemingly horrific things, at least according to the lawsuit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he died. He has since passed away of a heart attack. But in 1992 – the government of Canada paid 77 of his victims a settlement of $100,000 and rejected the claims of more than 250 others. Wow. So maybe just the most egregious uh, offending mm -hmm. moments, I guess. And probably the way that large governments work, people who could provide a paper trail proving where they were and when. The case may go, may go to court. Hopefully it will. But according to the National Post, the government of Canada is going to be in an antagonistic position for the course of this legal proceeding. The government of Canada asked a third party, a guy named George T.H. Cooper, to conduct an inquiry into Dr. Cameron's depatterning work between 1950 and 65. And this Cooper report, which was concluded in 1986, said that Canada did not hold any legal liability or moral responsibility in respect to these treatments. So Canada said, ah, yeah. Hands up. We're both throwing our hands <laughs> up like that. Canada says, not, not us, not us. And uh, McGill University Health Center also said Cameron carried out these experiments, but they were not responsible for his actions. So they're also saying, not us. Not us, bad apple. Not yeah. us, bad yeah. apple. Not an institution, an individual. Mm -hmm. And this leads to some conclusions or as close as we can get. At this point, missing information about MKUltra will continue to feed uh, conspiratorial theories, claims, anecdotes, and so on. And we probably won't be we, – we can disprove some stuff, but we will never be able to fully understand what MKUltra actually did. Exactly. And, and there – you know yeah. – <laughs> It's so funny. The, the lack of transparency here is the big issue, at least from the government side. If, the, if these documents were available at some point for everybody to see them, it would be more of a, oh, wow, look, look at what we did back then. That's mm -hmm. pretty brutal. Oh, man. I hope we at least gained some knowledge from that, from putting all these people through this terrible trauma. Hopefully we can get some justice for those people. But now it's just um, – it's just a, a breeding ground for 
much worse ideas because because of that lack of transparency. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we can keep an eye on the Canadian lawsuit. Legally speaking, that's the only thing continuing right now. And maybe, maybe we'll learn some more information about a specific project of MKUltra, right? And maybe that's how we get things. Maybe we collect breadcrumbs. But that means it takes a long time to build the whole loaf, you know? It sounds like a whole podcast, doesn't <laughs> just, it? Just a podcast like, on figuring out figuring what the out heck MKUltra Ultra is. Well, we had talked about having Russell Targ back on. That's true. Yeah. It could be just the thing. Let's just get him to host a show where he remote views to track down the scientists who were involved in MK Ultra programs and then uh, does hypnotic regression on them and or uh, remote viewing with them. It teaches them to go back and remember. I like the pitch. <laughs> Let's do it. So, also, I mean, also, we, we are reaching the point where um, just due to the limitations of human lifespan, a lot of people who could make a deathbed confession have already died. You know what I mean? There we go. Uh, we do want to include on a, on a last note, uh, one of the most important things in any episode dealing with this sort of subject matter is this. If you are a survivor of abuse or if you know someone who has survived abuse, uh, please be aware that you are not alone. There are numerous organizations, uh, both government-funded and private, that are there for you to provide free counseling, to provide resources, to provide therapy. We do hope that you reach out to these sources. They are there for you. There is someone waiting to help you. Absolutely. And if you want to just share your thoughts or your story with us, you can reach out to us where we are at Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram where we are at Conspiracy Stuff Show. And you guys also have Instagram accounts. That's true. You can find me at Ben Bolin on Instagram. You can find me at Embryonic Insider. There you go. And you can also, uh, if you do like Facebook, you can join our our um, group, here's where it gets crazy, where you can just talk to everybody on there. There's so many of us that just want to learn more, and it's a great place to have those open conversations with everyone else. And if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can leave a message, a voicemail at one eight three three S T D W Y T K. When do we start doing this unison thing? I don't know. It just happened organically, and yeah. now it's just part of the fabric of the show. It's a chant at this point. It is. You know, it's, it's an incantation. That's exactly what it is. We are all about ritual here on stuff that I want you to know. Correct. And just uh, in that same vein, you get three minutes to uh, to engrave your voice and your thoughts into the. Into our voice mailbox. Engrave. I like it, and we man. Will, we will hear it. Yes. And then possibly it will get on the show at some point. You get three minutes to do it. You can do multiples if you want, but if you keep it short, you get bonus points. Um, <laughs> just because it's a little easier to digest. Um, but yeah, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can write us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.